0: Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Romans chapter 5, and we'll pick up in verse 9. Verse 9. Before I read this, I'm going to pray in just a moment, but I want to just explain what this passage is about. And it's Paul uh, comparing um, the work of Jesus Christ, the gift, the gospel that is given to us. And if you're a Christian today and you've received Jesus Christ as, you, as your personal Savior, you will understand that it's the free gift, it's, it's the gospel, it's the good news. But what Paul here is doing is he's comparing The difference of the the power of what Jesus did to the power of sin of what Adam's done. Essentially, what Adam messed up, he's talking about comparing it to what Jesus has done to correct that mess. If many of you don't know, or if you're not a Christian, you may not realize that what Adam did, we are the result of, sin is a result of Adam sinning, and through the ages past, it has caused corruption in the world, and that's why Jesus came 2,000 years ago to correct what Adam did wrong. He is the, the second Adam. He's the one who comes to, to correct that. And what Paul is doing is, he's going to compare and look at the contrast between uh, the trespass, the sin, and the gift. I'm just going to pray before we read it. Father God, we thank you this afternoon that we get to come and hear your word. And it's an honor and a privilege to, to, to preach it. And to share the word, help me to articulate the truth of what you want to say. Holy Spirit, breathe on every heart, every mind, and breathe upon this message, we pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Romans 5 verse 9. It says this, since, Paul says, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Speaking of Jesus. For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through His life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was the pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man, Death reign through that one man, how much more, say how much more, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace, there you've got it, you've got to receive it, and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. You know, I didn't know that we were going to be singing any of these songs today, but I really believe that some of the songs we've been singing have been so in line with what I'm preaching on. And that is that the truth is everything that we're singing about is all about one name, isn't it? It's the name of Jesus. There is, we sung about there is power in his name. And what what Paul is doing here is trying to contrast and show us that actually through Jesus Christ, there's only one way. Uh, It's interesting that when... Paul is sharing this in Romans chapter 5. He's trying to get us to understand that actually the difference, there's actually no real comparison. He's trying to compare, but he's, he's saying actually there's no real comparison. It's interesting that we sung earlier that the, we can't compare the name of Jesus. There's no comparison to the power of grace. There's no comparison to the power of the name of Jesus. The title of this message this afternoon is The Grace for the Race. The Grace for the race. How many of you know you need grace from God to get through your life? And you can't do it by works. Um, I know that many of us like to do things by works. It's, it's funny, the human nature, uh, we, no matter how much we hear about grace, we fundamentally want to get back to doing stuff to prove our relationship with God. It's interesting that when you first get saved, I remember when I got saved and I understood the grace of God that not long after, soon I was kind of trying to keep my prayer life up, I'm trying to read my Bible, and there's so many things I'm trying to tick the boxes for, that ultimately what happens is you end up being in this place where you're trying to fulfill your relationship with God based on your own sets of laws. It's interesting that Paul has to go and speak to the Galatians, Galatians, the book of Galatians you'll see in Galatians chapter 1, And he talks to them about the fact that what's happened is he's come in and he's he's preached the good news. He's preached about grace. But then not so long after, they have fallen away from this grace. And they've come to a place where uh, some people have come in and tried to get them to attach to that grace... Little laws, little laws that it's not that they're trying to say, you know, you need to be a Jew. They're saying you can have this, but you can't just have Jesus. You can't just do it through the name of Jesus. You need to add on these little Jewish laws. And what they found is that they were burdened by these. And And Paul comes in, in, in Galatians chapter 1, and he says to them, he says this. Let's just look. He says, verse 6, I'm astonished that you were so quickly Deserting the one who you called to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Which is really no gospel at all. He says this later on. He says, Who has bewitched you? Who has. That's strong stuff. Who has bewitched you? Who has. He talks about. He says, Who has thrown you into confusion? And it's interesting because what many of us do is when we, when we get saved, we, we understand God's grace, but the devil really wants you to start to dilute the name of Jesus. To start to get into a place where you start to believe that what you do in your faith is what God honors you by and keeps that relationship by. But can I just say to you, Jesus Christ is the bridge of reconciliation back to the Father. There's only one way to the Father. It's only Jesus Christ. You can't do it through your works. You can't do it through any means. And so I want to just be, from the outset today, just free you up by telling you, you know, the devil may have gotten you into a place where you feel like you're trying to achieve your salvation. And they were. They were exactly the same. And Paul had to come in and, and, and to challenge them on this. The truth is that the law, which we know the Ten Commandments, the law, the law will never pass away. So the truth is you will always face the law. The law will be here forever. The law is here. In fact, Galatians 3.24 says this, that the law is our schoolmaster. Jacob, the other day, he said to me, he said, we were talking, I think it was yesterday, he said, talking about which was the most fiercest headmaster, his primary school one or his secondary school one. He says, it's the secondary school one. He's so, he's so much more fierce. And then he said, actually, he's, he's not that bad. He's never done anything to me. He says, he just walks past me and looks at me. I said, well, he's not done anything wrong then, as he said. But we was talking about his schoolmaster. Galatians 3.24 says this. It says that the law is the schoolmaster which, which brings us, it, it justifies us, it, it points us to grace so we've got faith in Jesus. It's the, the, the law will always point you to the fact that you need a Savior. So, so the Ten Commandments, I'm afraid to say you're never going to fulfill them. There's only one who's fulfilled the Ten Commandments, so that's Jesus Christ. And so what we have to understand in life is that Jesus, this one man, Jesus Christ, is the one who's fulfilled those Ten Commandments. Here we see verse 17, just going back to what we read a minute ago in Romans chapter 5. is a very interesting line that it says right at the very end. And it kind of, it always gets me every time I read this. But verse 17, it says this, we can reign in life. Reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but do you feel like you're reigning in life? Oh, you all seem quite confident. I know that for for me as a a Christian, no matter what I'm doing, there's always some challenges taking place in my life. And I can't say that I am always feel like I'm reigning in life. Which tells me that I can't judge my faith based on my emotions or events. If I judge my faith on what's happening around me, the emotions and events around me, then I'm not going to last very long in the faith. But but the reality is, is to reign in life, it cannot be based on emotions or events because we understand that the same person who wrote this uh, had shipwrecks. The same person who wrote this spent nights in prison. And so we got to understand that the same person who wrote this who says we can reign in life, is also understanding that he went through trials and tribulations. The, the other day I was driving back from, from meeting someone uh, in the church from, from a, a ministry angle, and I was driving back through Cambridge, and just on the way out, just leaving Cambridge, all of a sudden the car came to a standstill, and I was listening to some worship music in the car, Then all of a sudden a car hits the back of my car, and it's the first time anyone's ever hit me in the car. I've always thought I'm a decent driver and thankfully this person, it's their fault. Because if anyone goes into the back of you, it's their fault, isn't it? So straight away, that's the first thing that comes to my mind. It's not my fault. And I'm okay. And I sat there for a moment, but I was in shock because of the, the, the force. And, um, and, and straight away, you know, I'm thinking, is there a pain in my neck? Have I, have I suffered whiplashly? You know, is it, is, where there's a blame, there's a claim. No, we don't do that We're Christians. Do you know what? It's the first time this week I've had an accident. I've never had an accident before, but I get calls from injury lawyers all the time. But the week I had an accident, they didn't call me. (laughs) They're always telling me I've had an accident, but the week that I had an accident, I didn't get a call. I'm like, the time I could have got some money. In fact, Joe said to me, she goes, do we need to pray for you? I I said, pray for me after I've got the claim through. (laughs) Praise God. I'm okay. It's fine. Don't, you don't need to ask. But when this happened, I realized to myself is that when, when we go through life, it's like that. We're in, a, we're in a journey sometimes. And out of the blue, stuff happens. You can be minding your own business. You're driving through your life. You, everything seems to be going okay. Then all of a sudden, something happens and the event's in life. And you don't feel like you're reigning in life. And, and you start to think, what, what's happening, Lord? Why are these things happening. And we've got to understand that God's grace empowers us to get through those seasons. Romans chapter 8 says we're more than conquerors. I didn't feel like a conqueror when I was taking his insurance details. I didn't feel like a conqueror. But the Bible tells us that we are more than conquerors. So it's not referring to these kind of situations. 2 Corinthians 2, 14, Paul says this, now thanks be to God who always... (laughs) Always leads us in triumph in Christ. It's like, I don't feel like that sometimes, but I want to tell you, He's always leading you in triumph. Even when you don't feel like you've been victorious, even when you feel like your life is not being victorious or triumphing, God is always leading you. Jesus is always leading you in triumph. We can reign in life through the one man. Jesus Christ. I find it very interesting when Apostle Paul, he says this, that God spoke to him in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9. He says that God spoke to him and said, My grace... And remember, when, when we talk about grace, we're talking about God's... It's, a lot of people understand God's grace as his grace of forgiveness and mercy. But we've got to understand, God's grace is empowerment yeah. as well. A lot of people don't get this in the church. That to function... In your life, to get through all the difficult seasons, it's not just about the fact he gave you grace and mercy to forgive you of all your sin. But it's the grace and mercy, it's the empowerment to walk through life. And he says this, my grace, my power is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. When you're weak, you're strong. It's very opposite to the way the world works. It's very opposite to the way that people see it in the world. You see, the word weak used here means inability. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I feel I'm unable, I have an inability to function and get through life because of the emotions, the difficulties, the challenges that I'm facing. But I want to say to you today, when you're weak, that's when God is at his strongest. You might say, well, I've heard this many times and I I don't feel like that. You ain't got to feel anything. You've got to know it. You have to know that where you're at right now, even though you feel so weak, that God is strong. God remains strong. He never changes and His power never fluctuates. 2 Peter 1.3 says, Peter says this, His divine power, let's call it grace, His grace, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. There's nothing lacking. We have everything we need. Just this, this week, someone put a note through the door, said, we've got to do some work on your gas pipes. And, and they said, we've got to refit some things. And if you don't let us come in on this day, you're going to be without gas. And he put, a little, he put a note through my door with his phone number, a little smiley face. You'll be without gas, smiley face. I thought, well, you're not my friend, are you? You'll be shutting the gas off. And so I made sure I was in for that time and I stayed in that day. And it was a cold day. And so I'm, I'm in there and I realized I had to work at home and I'm thinking, I don't believe this is going to be no heating on because he's got to work still on the gas. And so he came in and he shut all the power because you know, you can be out without power now for, for several hours. So the heating goes down. It's getting colder and colder and colder in the house. And I realized something that sometimes in our lives that when the power is running down, when we don't realize if we're not a Christian or if we've walked away from God, we don't understand that the grace is empowerment. When, when the power was shut off, I realized how much I needed it. And we've got to understand how much we need Jesus. Some of you right now in this room may never have given your life to Jesus. You're, you're on a decision process of saying, do you know, I've not surrendered my life to Jesus. Do you know what happens is when we don't surrender our lives, we try to accommodate our lives and we try to wrap up and keep and keep warm and, and, and acclimatize to the situations of life without accepting Jesus. You've got to, you need his power. You need his power in your life so he can change the atmosphere in your life. I want to bring a few points about God's grace. Number one is this, God's grace is saving power. I said it a minute ago, going back on that again, we we need to understand that we do not earn our salvation. This is, you might say, I've heard this before, but I want to encourage you because the devil's very subtle in trying to get us into a place where we do try to achieve it, there's only one way we can be saved, and it is through Jesus. There's only one way you're going to fulfill your Christian walk, and it's through Jesus. And the problem is today is we complicate the gospel. We complicate what is so simple. It is so simple that we receive His grace. What did we read earlier? We receive that abundant provision. Of grace, it's not just a little bit, he's got a lot, he's got a lot of grace to lavish on us. Romans 5 10 says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? We got to put our belief and trust in Jesus. You know, when I've gone through some difficult times in my life and challenges. And sometimes, when I felt really low, people said to me, "Believe in yourself, Phil. Come on, you got to believe in yourself again. You can do this. Believe in yourself. You read it on social media all the time. People, life coaches, saying the same thing over and over again. You got to believe in yourself. You can do this. But do you know what? The friend who told me that is the, it's the worst advice I've ever had. It is the worst advice. If you, listen, if you're going to come and tell me that, don't bother." Because have you met me? Do you know me? Because I don't want to have to believe in me. I don't want to have to believe in me. And and boy, I'm sorry, but I don't want to have to believe in you either. I've met some of you. I'm only joking. But listen, we're failures. All flesh fails. We fail. And the world will tell you when you're struggling and you feel weak, believe in yourself. Pack yourself up. Tell yourself that you're going to do okay. But listen to me. There's only one name that you need to believe in when you feel weak, and it's Jesus. There's only one who's going to give you strength above all. Paul said this in Colossians 1.29. He says, I strenuously contend with all the energy that Christ so powerfully works in me. In other words, he doesn't say, when I'm struggling in prison, when I'm finding things difficult, when everything's getting challenging, I just keep telling myself, come on, you can do it. (laughs) Believe in yourself, Paul. Believe in yourself. You Come on, when that alarm clock goes off on a morning, you think, I just can't face the world. Believe in yourself, Phil. No, you need to get up and say, I believe in the name of Jesus. I declare the name of Jesus on my life. Over the situations I'm facing. Come on. we got to stop being like the world is. We are different. Very different. we got to believe. It's only by his name that we're saved. It's only by his name that we can believe. In Romans 4 verse 10. It says Abraham believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. That's the old covenant. We're in the new covenant. We believe God. We trust in Jesus. His righteousness becomes yours. It's a deposit into your life's account. I mean, I love that. Every one of us falls short of the glory of God. We're all in the red. We're all in debt. Have you ever been in the red? You're in debt. Until you receive him, you accredited his righteousness. In other words, what happens is you go from the red to the black. You move from the red to the black. Some of you right now are thinking, I wish that had happened in my bank account. I wish that had happened over that credit card that I set on. Listen, God can set you free from a a bigger debt than any of your financial debts. It's the debt of sin. He credits us his righteousness. I love what James 2.23 says. It says that Abraham was God's friend. What we've just read here is that not only when we have salvation through Jesus, how we we, we come into relationship with Him, but we're reconciled. Come on, we're reconciled back to the Father. Do you know? I don't know what your Father was like, but you have a Heavenly Father who absolutely adores you. He watches over you, He loves you. Today, right now, He's looking at every individual in here. You're His kids. He loves you so much. And what, what Jesus did is He becomes the bridge of reconciliation back to the Father, to save us from that alienated uh, relationship where we're distant from God. What I said earlier in Galatians, Paul has to speak to them because what's happened is they've distanced themselves. They've started to add things in and we can be like that. We add these laws in and we change what grace is. Grace begins to lose its power, not by Jesus, but by us because of our perception of it. The way we treat grace and do you know what? Grace is so freely given from, from the Lord. It's so freely given. You know, just this week, I, um, I was, Lewis was, had to do for a project. He had to build at school this air raid shelter, World War air raid, air raid shelter. And I, I'm a bit creative, so I was like, i getting into this. And he was telling me everything he needed to do. And so we got the materials. We bought some stuff on, on Amazon. And we got these little bits of materials to build this air raid shelter. But the thing is, he had to build it at school on Friday. On Thursday or Friday. And so through the week, he was planning exactly how I was going to do it. And we had a plan. We had a plan. We said, this is how you got to do it. you got to stick this in place. And I told him exactly what to do. Friday, I went to see him. And he comes out of his classroom. And I walked up to him waiting to see the very thing that we planned to build. And what it was going to look like. And he looked completely different. <laughs> looked completely different. And the first thing he said, I goes, uh, it looks different, son. He said, yeah, it went wrong. He said, everything that we thought we were going to do, he says, once I got in the classroom, we just did it different. He said, would you help me repair it? I want to start again. I want to build it as it should be, what we said. And I realized something, that we can be the same. That in our lives, you know, the, the gospel is like an arid shelter. The gospel is like a shelter. In fact, the Bible says that the Lord is a fortress that we run into and we're saved. He's a, he's a shelter. We can hide under the shadow of his wings. And, you know, the, the problem is this sometimes is his grace, his plan of the gospel for you. We change it when we're under the influence of others. We change what's so simple. And then it has to be rectified. I'm here today to rebuild your shelter. I'm here today to tell you again you've got to rebuild your shelter. You see, do you know what my project is at the end of today? It's not to go home and pray. It's to go and build an airhead shelter. That's our plan. We get home today. I'm going to rebuild the airhead shelter. We're going to make it just as it should be. And this is what Paul is saying to the Galatians. He's saying, you started off well. You had a plan. But what's happened? Who's come in and confuse you? You've built something completely different. Build something completely different it's only Jesus it's only Jesus that can save us Ephesians 2 verse 8 Paul says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God it's a gift it's a free gift people come on the devil hates that doesn't it free gift It's a gift. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to do anything for it. It's given to you today. Freely. The gift of God. Not by works. So that no one can boast. Boast. Acts 4 verse 12. When Peter and John. They're before the Sanhedrin. And they say this. Salvation is found in no one else. Nobody else. For there is no other name. Under heaven given to mankind. By which we must be saved. Do you know, just before this, Peter has just said to me, Because the stone, the cornerstone, you builders, you've rejected it. The very, the very key stone, you think you're, you're building something, the temple, but actually you've rejected the, 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 the chief cornerstone. I want to ask you today, What have you rejected? What have you replaced where Jesus should be? Many times, we we often have replaced replaced something before we reject something else. We've always got something else in place because we don't need Jesus. And what is it right now that you're putting your trust in more than Jesus? He needs to be the chief cornerstone. What or who has become your cornerstone? Number two today is God's grace is not only His saving power, but it's His standing power. I, I meet many Christians and I talk to people and sometimes I question. People say, I got saved. I, I'm saved and I give my life to Jesus. But they don't seem to be standing for their faith. I mean, we've got to understand when we dedicated little Daniel this morning. That wasn't a, a baptism. We didn't christen him. He makes a decision to follow Jesus himself. Later on in life, he will, he will choose and we prayed that he would. But we've got to understand that it's our own decision to stand for our faith, to stand strong, to stand our ground. But do you know what Satan sometimes does is, you get saved, and I'm speaking to some of you right now. You're born again Christians, you you believed in God. But I'm telling you, you've got to start standing standing your ground. You've got to start holding your post. Because the devil, do you know what, sometimes, you might say, well I am standing my ground. Sometimes we, we stand our ground, but we're in the wrong position. We're standing. We're standing in a, in a weak spot. We're on the fringe. When when God said, I, "I want you right up front. I want you like David who goes to the battle lines. I want you someone who is right up front, standing ground for your faith in confidence." But the devil, what he tries to do is he tries to knock you down. But it's only by grace we can stand. We can stand our ground. He says here, Romans 5 verse 16, Paul says, nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation, but the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. Can I just say that God's grace is far more powerful than your worst sin. You, You... We've got to understand, what Paul is saying is, if you read the text, what he actually says is this. He looks through and compares what Adam's done and what Jesus has done. And then he actually says, actually, there's no comparison. He says, I'm not just going to look at this and say, well, I'm, I'm comparing it, you know, it's pretty equal. There's actually, if you put them on the scales, grace covers everything. The Bible says that love covers a multitude of sin. So whatever your worst thing that you can think that you've done in your mind... Whatever the worst thing that cripples you every time you think about yourself, I just want to tell you and set you free today and let you know that it's covered by the grace of God. You can't stand. Come on, we've got to rejoice in that. We can stand, not by our human endeavors as the song sings, but by the blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah. We can stand. There is no comparison. The message version puts it like this. It says there's no comparison between death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. No comparison. I don't know if you're like me, but you use those, you know, compare.com sites, the meerkat. It springs up and and, and they do a search and it's waiting and it's searching. It's saying we're just bringing back the results. And I've done it for all manner of things. I've stopped doing it for electricity and gas. I find it more problems than it's worth. So I just, I just pay what they tell me to pay. But when I've done it for car insurance, I've put in the details and I've got to confess that, you know, one time I had a speeding conviction. I was only a couple of uh, JL's just found out. I was only going a few mile an hour over the speed limit. But I got a speeding, and it was on, it's on you for five years. So for five years as I go into these compare websites and I put my details in, one of the questions it asks you is, any past convictions? And I'm like, oh, if only, you know, if only I didn't have to put in that. Because the problem is when I put in the details of my conviction, it changes the outcome of the results. What happens is some insurers say, we don't want to even insure you. So it reduces the providers... And it changes the premium. The cost goes up based on my conviction. But i got something to tell you today. That what you've done in your life, your past convictions, when you give them to God, when you come to the foot of the cross and you say, here are my past convictions, there is no cost to be paid. There's no price to be paid. Your past convictions have been paid by his blood. It doesn't change the premium because he paid it all on the cross. The premium's paid. So you can stand. You can stand with your head held high. Come on, praise Jesus. Who's happy about that? We can stand. Isaiah forty twenty nine says that God gives strength to the weary. And increases the power of the weak. Wow. His grace, His power enabling us to stand. You know when the two, when the women went on the morning resurrection Sunday, they get to the tomb. And they go into the tomb and they're looking and they meet two angels. And the angels say, what what are you doing? Why do you look for the living among the dead? He says, when they saw the angels, they were fearful. They looked to the ground says, why do you look for the living among the dead? They were so interested in the empty tomb and looking at the stone that's been rolled away that they missed that the chief cornerstone is alive. He's gone. He's out of here. He's risen. So many of us are hanging around our tombstone. So many of us are looking at the past and hanging around and looking at the tomb saying, I understand Jesus did something, but I'm not sure what he did. What we don't understand is that we have resurrection life. We can grasp the fact that he died for us, but the very fact that he lives and we live in him means that we rise from the grave. We stand from the ground. The ground no longer has any hold on you. <laughs> Come on. The ground no longer has a hold on you. The tomb no longer has a hold on you because you have to what? Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why are you looking to the ground? Come on. You've got to go. He's risen. He's risen. So many of us are are, are so affected by our past that we can't move into what God has for our future. We have no standing power because we don't grasp that grace gives us that ability. I want to tell you today, God's grace is here. It's freely given. And it's setting you free right now. Some of you in your mind that the devil said to you, you can't stand. That's too big a deal. No, it's not. Nothing is too big for Jesus. I put here: if the cornerstone is positioned correctly in our lives, we can stand confidently through our lives. You have to make sure that the chief cornerstone is positioned right, central in your life. Then you can stand. The devil is real. You know, I said it this morning: the devil is real. If if God's real, the devil's real. Come on, some of us have started putting the devil down to some guy in, with red horns and, and a pitchfork and he's a cartoon character. Listen, he's real. I spoke the other week on Picking Fights. You're dealing with a, a real enemy. Come on, we've got to understand that there is a real Satan. He's real and he's out to steal, kill and destroy. That's what the Bible says. John 10.10, 10. the devil is out to steal, kill and destroy. But he's come to give life. I'm thankful the Bible also says that the son of God came to destroy the devil's work. Come on. So many of us are fighting the devil. You're not supposed to be fighting the devil. You're supposed to be resisting him. I went to, to, to Lewis's. There's a lot about Lewis today. I went to Lewis's parents' evening the other day. And I went in. And we read his books before we went in. But we went in the classroom and boy oh boy. I was amazed. I have She was describing Lewis to me. he felt like I was listening to a different child. I mean I love you son but. I was sat there and she said, oh, he, he's amazing. He's amazing. He, 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 he's, he's polite. He, he, does, he never does anything wrong. He's... And I'm sat there and thinking, hang on a sec. Is this the boy that I live with? And I looked and I thought, and he's just sat there and he's, he's, he's taking it all in. He's just like, yeah. He, he asked me all the way. I said, do I get some spending money for that, Dad? And he sat there and I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, this, and I said, and I actually said to the teacher, I said, is this, is this really Lewis? Are you sure? And I said, I've, I've never heard him like this before. And, but you know, he is a good boy. But listen, on the way in, I was looking through all his books and I, and I noticed his diagrams he's been drawing for the electrics and circuit drawings. And on the circuit drawings, showing how you can light up a light and there's points in whether you'll draw on the circuit diagrams a resistor. And some of us, we've got to understand this. That the grace and empowerment from God to stand is not your ability to fight the devil with weapons. Come on, some of us are like, come on i 've got to take the devil on today Monday morning. you, you haven 't got to fight him. you don 't have to fight him because he was, he was fought at the cross. Jesus made a public spectacle, so you 've got to stop getting up saying i 've got to go through my routine of spiritual warfare. So I can stand today. Do you know majority of Ephesians 6 is talking about protection. You've got to learn by the grace of God to be a resistor in the circuit so that when the power of the enemy comes, because it is a real power, it's real Satan, real power comes, that God gives you the ability to be a resistor because if you notice in circuit diagrams what resistors are for, when they put a resistor in it's to stop the the electronic item getting a, a, a flow of current in and blowing it up. And I've blown quite a few things up in my house by putting the wrong things in, the wrong plug sockets sometimes. And the problem is is what we do is we try to fight Satan. Some of you have, got to, have you got to learn by the grace of God, the power of God, to be a resistor, so that when the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against it. You become a resister. Come on, some of you have got to start to say, God, help me to be a resister. Not a fighter against Satan. Picking fights with Satan is to be a resistor to him, then he flees. Standing your ground. Amen. Amen? 1 Peter 5 eight says, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like, not a roaring lion, he's like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Stand your ground. You have the resisting capacity in God's grace to stand today. Ephesians 6.13, therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes... Remember, this is the same, the same writer who writes Ephesians 6 here. The same writer says who says when the day of evil comes is the one who told you earlier that you can reign in life. That means you're going to get bad days. You can reign in life, but when the day of evil comes, you may be able to what? Stand your ground. We've got to learn to stand our ground. In Exodus chapter 2, we see... Moses, back in the Old Testament, we see Moses, one day, he murders a man. I mean, you think you've done some bad stuff? Look at Moses. I mean, some people said to me, you know, they'll say, you know, all the people in the Bible, there must be good people. Listen, have you read your Bible? It's full of a bunch of failures. It's full of a bunch of people who just did not get it right. In fact, I'm so glad when I read it, sometimes I feel a bit better. I mean, I'm bad, but you know, I haven't murdered anyone yet. Not yet. One day, he's, he's out and, and, and he murders an Egyptian. Do you know what he says he does? He murders the Egyptian. Then he has a, a little look around, it says. Exodus chapter 2. See if anyone can see. What did we look at the other week? We said that, that God sees everything. Proverbs 15. The eyes of the Lord are everywhere. So... God saw him, but he checks and says, does anyone, anyone can see? And then when no one can see, he buries, just buries him in the ground. Put a bit of sand over, no one sees the Egyptian and he leaves. Exodus chapter 3, God calls Moses in a burning bush. Come on, I don't know if you've got this, but the same God who saw him bury that man in the sand in one chapter calls him to do something. You got hope, people. You've got hope, people. Because the problem is in our lives, what we are burying, what we have buried in sin, we're saying, God's never going to use me now, because if only people knew what I did last week, last month, last year. If they only knew the sins that I'm trying to hide and trying to bury. Because I thought no one could see. But God in one chapter calls him from a burning bush. And do you know what he says to me? He says, take off your sandals because this is holy ground. When I read that, I thought, hang on a sec, holy ground? If I'd have been Moses stood there, I'd have thought, if only you knew what was in this ground, God. <laughs> if only you saw me trying to bury that man. And God's like, yeah, I saw The same God who saw him bury a man who he'd murdered is willing to call him to use him to deliver Israel. The same God who saw him bury a man is prepared to say this is holy ground where you're standing and forgive him for doing what he did and to allow him to move forward in his life. And I've got to say to you today, God has forgiven you. The ground, the territory is not Satan's. It is yours. It's holy ground. Now, that doesn't mean you can go around killing your boss tomorrow and trying to bury it in the backyard. You will get found out by Cambridgeshire police. And I will not be there at the courtroom for you. Listen, we've got to understand. The same God who saw that, what he tried to bury in the ground, he says, this is holy ground. Take off his sandals. Come on. I've got a plan for you. Some of us have got to move on. We've got to understand that we can stand our ground, that the grace of God gives us the ability to stand. Amen. And finally, number three, grace is God's staying power. It's his staying power. How many of you know that when we're saved, we're saved, we're forgiven. There's the mercy, the grace of God to forgive us. Then there's the grace of God that says you can stand. But some of us have got to understand that when you stand, you've got to stay. You've got to hold your post. When, you talk about the white, when we hear the story of the wise and foolish builders, we understand that when a house is built, its foundation is going to be on a, on, a, on a rock. That is on the grace, the mercy of God that you can actually build a house. Then you build the house and the house stands. But then it's got to be able to take the weather conditions. And to take the weather conditions is what I call staying power. Foundation, what you build and stands, but then what can take the ability of the bad weather conditions. And you've got to ask yourself today, have I received God's grace? Is my life built on God's grace or my abilities? Because if it's built on your abilities, the house is falling down. It will not last. Staying power is God's grace. It's his ability to get through those seasons. And you know, like when we, when we read of Paul and he writes in, in the book of Philippians and he writes from prison and says, I press on toward the goal. I mean, come on, the guy's not going to Barbados, he's in prison. Some of us, we say I'm pressing on toward the goal when everything's good. We say I'm pressing on toward the goal when oh you've just got the promotion at work or you got the holiday sorted for this year and you say oh God's doing an amazing thing I've been on the I got I'm on the worship team now life's good I've preached for the first time oh I'm doing so good for God listen that is not pressing on toward the goal pressing on is when you press on inside in the prison when you can have the ability to say I press on even though my surroundings don't tell me that that's what pressing on is that's what staying power is and I think the church needs to grab a hold more and us as individuals grab hold more of what it means to have the staying power to keep going I don't know about you but do you feel like quitting sometimes you feel like giving up I mean I say a lot this because it's true you feel like quitting circumstances, situations, events, emotions, all these things, all firing at you. Come on, some of you, you've got, you got fiery darts firing at you every day, and you feel like, that's it, I've had enough. I'm going to Barbados. You feel like quitting. There's a word for someone here today. You feel like throwing in the towel. You feel like, I've had it, absolutely, this is enough. This is far too much. Can I say to you that God's grace always comes in right when you need it? If you're thinking now, that's it, I'm at the end, that's it, I've got nothing left, <laughs> you're in a really good spot. If you think your tank's empty, he's about to fill it. If you think you've got nothing left even to go another day, you can't function another day, he's going to give you the fuel to do it. You've got to trust him. The, the devil will say you, you've got nothing left, you are on zero, in fact you're running on vapor, not fume. You've got nothing left in your tank. I remember I used to live in a house, a little cottage, and they used to have an oil tank in the back. We didn't have a, a gas, there were no gas power then. And I used to let this thing drop to the lowest point I could till I was running on vapor. And I used to always, always used to get air in, and then I'd have to pay someone to come in, and then they'd charge me, and I'd be like, oh. Some of us are like that. We, we're on the, on the edge, but listen, it's right then when God comes in and He fills again. Because He has an abundant, verse 17, of abundant provision of grace. Pouring in. Pouring in. Do you know, I, I, I sometimes wonder how I'm standing here preaching to you guys each week. I sometimes wonder, I question, how can I sometimes, the functioning, do the things I do? And I realize, I thought I was doing it sometimes on my own steam, but it's, if, if God removed his grace, I'd be a dead man. I'd be a dead man. Some of you would be dead people if God removed his hand on, on, on you now of grace. You wouldn't last a day. You look at me sometimes and think, oh, he's doing well. I'm not always doing well. I'm, I tell you this, not, I don't need, your, I need, need you to get uh, worried about me, but I'm telling you because it's the truth. Because all of you feel the same. You all have the same feelings as me. We're all the same kind of people. But this is what real church is. We've got to get real to the fact that, that staying power is, I'm realizing that I'm only functioning on grace. And if he took his hand off, if the disconnect comes on the gas power, you feel the cold. You're going to know it. We sung it earlier. Come on. When you're singing, there's power in the name of Jesus. You're not just singing about, there's power in the name of Jesus so that I can go and pray for someone to get healed on Tuesday night. There's power in the name of Jesus to keep your life going. For the breath in your lungs to keep functioning. For you to keep getting up and going to work tomorrow and believing that God's going to come through in the finances. Deal with the issues that you've got to face this year with your family. That's grace. Come on. Staying power. But some of us, we, we think, do you know what? I don't know if, I might walk away. In fact, what, what Mel said earlier, the, the testament that she shared about the fact that when she was younger, she said she wrote that letter. And again, it's really feel that God is speaking in spirit today. I really sense when you said that this afternoon, that some people today, you feel like quitting, giving up. And actually, it's not just quitting coming to church. It's quitting on God that actually the devil's been whispering in your ear that much, that circumstances, events, and emotions, the stuff that's happened to you right now, you feel like, is God real? Is God really there? Am I just worshipping something That I thought it's just because my family have done it. Or it's just because I've got into a routine that every week I come to church and I'm just functioning and I'm doing the same thing. I'm in this rhythm of doing this thing. But actually is it real? Is God real? And you're beginning to doubt. But i got some news for you. God has brought you right here right now to tell you that you should not quit. You should not quit. He's brought you here today to refill your tank. Some of us walk away. Harry and Meghan walked away from their royal status positions. They said, "We don't, we don't want this. We want to, we want to live in Canada." And I've got no problem if they want to live in Canada; they can live in Canada. I don't care where they want to live. Their life. I know some people are worried about the tax, tax money, and all this, and, and they, everyone's like they shouldn't be doing this. I've got enough worries of my own. I don't care about Harry and Meghan. Okay. <laughs> I really have not got time to worry about what Harry and Meghan do. Whatever they do, they're going to, they'll sort it out. It's their problem, not mine. But they have decided to step away from their royal position. God forbid that you would step down and walk away from the gift of grace, the fact that He's given you a royal position and an inheritance for your life. God forbid you would. Trying to do it in your own strength and steam and power. Because you're a dead man walking or a dead woman too. God forbid you would. We're not like the same. This is not an earthly kingdom. This is the kingdom of God. You don't have a choice. Come on. If you do, then you're making a big mistake. But don't walk away from the grace. The Bible says this, that we are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. Some of us want to deny that. Said, you know, I don't need this. I don't need Jesus. Can I, really, can I really reign in life? Because what's happened is you've let your emotions drive your faith. You've let your feelings drive your faith. And now what you do is you determine reigning in life, this can't be true. Reigning in life is not by your emotions. Hold your post. Standing is one thing, but staying is another. Standing is one thing, but staying is another. I was watching a, a documentary, if the worship team could come back, I was watching a documentary the other day, and I like documentaries when they, they do mountaineering and things. And this particular BBC documentary was a mountaineering documentary of them climbing in the Antarctic to this mountain. It wasn't the biggest mountain that you can climb, but the terrain, the temperatures, and everything about it was very different. And I like watching this guy and he's saying, we're going to get to the top of this mountain. But normally he does a lot of things on his own. And so they film him and he's doing things on his own. But this particular documentary, he has this team with him. And he says, this guy here, he was, I think in the SAS or the Royal Marines, he's my security guy. He makes sure that we're secure and everything. This person here, this lady here, she's climbed some of the biggest mountains in the world. She's here to to give us all the expertise we need to climb this mountain, even though she's climbed bigger ones. And I realized as he gathered this expertise and people around him, he realized I can't do this on my own. I need these areas of expertise to get me to the top of that summit. And can I just say it's the same. You can only reign in life. You will only get to the top of this mountain of your life through Jesus. Because he is your wisdom, he is your security, he is your strength, he is everything you need. And I'll tell you why, because he's already climbed the mountain, he's already been to the top, and he's been to Calvary for you. So because he's been to the top, that's why you trust him. That's why you put all your trust in him. Don't try walking this mountain alone. It doesn't work. Don't try putting Jesus behind you and trying to climb. It doesn't work. In Joshua chapter 3, when they're about to cross the Jordan, do you know what it says? It says, consecrate yourselves tomorrow. The Lord's going to do amazing things among you. But then the next day, when they go over that Jordan... We know that the priest went in first with the Ark of the Covenant, the representation, the presence of God. It's the same, listen, we've got to understand this is Old Covenant, but it's the same principle as Jesus Christ. When you walk into the trials and seasons and they were leaving, that 40 years of wandering, they're about to enter in and take Jericho. When they go in, we've got to understand that there was a a distance between them and the Ark, but the Ark was ahead. Jesus, you follow him. He does not follow you. You follow him. Do you know why there was a distance? So that wherever that ark went, they could change if they needed to move. They could follow that ark. Do you know why that wall fell? Because of the presence of God. Because everything was always about the presence of God. Everything you're going to face in life. You want the walls of Jericho to fall in your life. You want all these things to break through. You want to see your family get saved. You want to see your children come to know Jesus. You want to see your marriages restored and repaired and relationships restored. You want to see all this. you got to follow Jesus. Don't do it in your own steam. It ain't going to work. It ain't going to work. Staying power. We reign in life. John chapter 16 verse 33 Jesus says in this world you will have trouble but take heart I've overcome the world I've overcome the world you can only be an overcomer if you've overcome something he overcame he's the overcomer and he calls you to be an overcomer too he says I want you to be an overcomer too I've walked this mountain I've walked this earth I've been been tempted in every way follow me it's as simple as that some of you said I've heard this before well you need to hear it again because do you know why we forget we can be just like the the Galatians church They, they forgot they started building a different model the shelter was slightly off They started to build something different. Hallelujah. There is staying power. Staying power. the standing power. the saving power. His grace is sufficient in our weakness. When I'm weak, He's strong. Listen to me. Right now, there are people in this room right now. You're saying, well, I'm saved. I get that. I'm saved and I've been believing this. But some of you right now, there is a, a battle with depression. There's a battle with fear and anxiety some of you right now you're battling this I was so saddened yesterday to read on the news of the young lady Caroline Flack, the TV presenter had everything going for her you would have looked at her life a year ago on social media and the news TV you'd have said oh she's doing well pretty young lady she's doing well she's got money she's got everything she needs she took a life took a life You know, my kids, they they see this even on their own. They're seeing this on the news. It's not, it's a reality. People are taking their lives. Suicide, male suicide is going up and up. What's happening is people, listen, listen to me. The rat race of life, people are just trying to keep up with it. No one's reigning if you don't have Jesus. You're just keeping up with the rat race. And the rat race will kill you. Because when you ain't got a foundation in Jesus, you ain't got anything. And I just pray for their family. I pray for Caroline's family. And just, you know, how sad that must be. A young lady like that to take a life. But listen, some of us are like, oh, that's sad. She she maybe didn't know Jesus. But listen, some in the church are suffering from this. Some in the church are suffering. Why? Because they've lost sight of grace. They've lost sight of actually who God what God thinks about them. So they're crushed in their own sin, they're crushed in their own emotions and actually they've lost the ability to, to feel strong and stand again. I want to say God wants to lift you up again today. Come on, let's stand. Thank you for listening and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.